by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. Sit yourself down, strap yourself in, as you're going to be listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, where over the course of the next hour, you'll be exposed to music that you should hear on the radio, but don't. Evening all. I don't generally do festivals, not of the outdoor variety anyway. My last of those was High Voltage back in 2011. Camden Rocks, on the other hand, I've been going to since 2014. I'm sure it was a year earlier, as the sick livers and the yo-yos were on the bill, but inextricably, I didn't. Looking back at what venues and bands were involved, Camden Rocks certainly has grown into an awesome beast. Part of the fun, yeah, all right, stress, is working out who you can see and infuriatingly can't see. My first highlighted time was two o'clock, but Yuka, who had flown in from Finland for the event, told me at the squirrel's birthday drink the day before in the crowbar that he was going to see the Idle Dead at midday at Dingwall's canal site works for me i thought now normally the earlier in the day the band is on the the bill depends on their status and ranking now my next statement might just have you spitting your drink out of choice but i'd not heard of the idle dead so i was surprised that the queue to get in was extremely large and contained all the usual suspects the dial order barnet andy close nicks from pure rock to name just three much handshaking was forthcoming the idle dead kicked off as soon as the doors opened so even though i was the 31st person in i missed a very few first seconds last saturday was very hot basically it was our summer and within another few seconds it really was like being in a sauna the ceiling in the canal side bar isn't very high coupled with wooden beams it wasn't long before jumping band members were banging their heads and not in a good way after their 30 minute set was up I made sure that I'd be pledging for their difficult fourth album, also known as Tension and Release. Blimey, what a wealth of live gigs, demos and unreleased material. On my way out, I bumped into the aforementioned Dark Lord of Barnet, who expressed his astonishment that such a big band with a wild heart connection was booked so early in such a small venue come by. I agreed, masking my ignorance. I'm still not sure what the Wild Hearts connection is, but irrespective of whatever it is, the Idle Dead were great. And a great way to get this year's Camden Rocks off to a flying start. And I will most certainly be seeing them again live sooner rather than later. Thank you very much for coming down and seeing us today. We're up all the Idle This is called Silver Bullet Cocktail.
original first port of call, but now my second, was the Black Heart to See Fierce Ideas. Up until literally the day before, I had no idea that Davros and Pete from the Eureka Machines were in the band. All I was aware of was that Victoria Ladicki had recently joined them. As the band hit the stage, with the impressively sized crowd all chanting, Fist! 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 Which I later found out is an acronym for Fierce Ideas Support Team. The vocalist, other than Victoria, looked ridiculously familiar. It took me an hour after their gig had finished for me to find out, only because I saw him and Victoria standing outside Lloyd's Bank in Camden High Street on my way, as they were, to see Royal Republic at the Camden Palace. And I asked him, Come on, where have I seen you before? To which he replied, Tropical Contact, of course it was Ben Janet. Fierce ideas are a combination, if not a sum, of their collective parts. So much so that I thought Live in Love was a Hey Hello track, which of course it's not. Uh, The band ended with a cover of the sweet classic Fox on the Run, with Victoria and Ben's vocal harmonies working out a treat. Well, it's good to see so many familiar faces here. Are so many unfamiliar ones right at the back. And in case you don't know who we are and what we're about, we are fierce ideas! And we have come to London to win the hand of Louise Distress! This next song is a love song. And it's dedicated to Louise. This is called Living Love. And it's all about love.
it was then only a short walk over the road to the underworld to see Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction. I haven't seen Mark Manning since he played the Croyne Underground, which uh, probably was either just before or just after Prime Mover was released. I had, although, recently heard that his current live experience was less than awe-inspiring, with people commenting that he looked like someone doing dad dancing. So I was half expecting to see Zodiac walking on stage, balding, wearing a cardigan and some comfy slippers. First out was guitarist Cobalt Stargazer, who was bald, no cardigan or comfy slippers though, and from the first opening power chord, I knew that I was going to be in for a treat. Zodiac mooched on stage, full head of hair, looking like Richie Fenistra from the vinyl HBO TV series. And along with bassist Jack Shit, who looked about 12, and drummer Bruno Agua, proceeded to hammer out all the love reaction classics. Sadly, as much as I wanted to stay for the full set, the lure of the Royal Republic at the Camden Palace was too strong. So after 30 minutes, I bade a fond farewell and headed out. Checking Facebook later in the day, I saw others who remained at the gig saying that it was a shambles and that Zodiac had obviously been drinking well. These innocent eyes and ears didn't see it that way. Zodiac and Cobalt traded banter at the expense of each other. Maybe they did have a libation beforehand, but from what I saw, it seemed perfectly acceptable.
Coming out of the underworld, I noticed the first queue to get in of the day. One in, one out. With the Anti-Nowhere League following on from Zodiac Mindwalk. Earlier on in the day, I bumped into Royal Republic vocalist Adam whilst he was grabbing something to eat. Not wanting to disturb him, I wished him well for the gig ahead, only to be told all their backline, thanks to British Airways, was still in Chicago and they'd be on the scrounge. Whoever lent them... What was needed, I tip my hat in your general direction, as the band sounded fantastic. The last time Royal Republic played over here, which was only on the 1st of April, their choice of venue was the Electric Ballroom, which, if memory serves me well, was pretty much full. Surprisingly, the Camden Palace didn't seem as rammed as I thought it'd be for a band of their calibre. Mind you, I've always said that their fans do not seem to naturally align themselves to the rock fraternity, or that the rock fraternity gravitate to them, as the usual gig suspects are conspicuous by their absence. <laughs> Yeah. 
I had surmised that Royal Republic set would last 30 minutes, but as the gig crept towards the 45-minute mark, it seemed my planned trip up to the Dublin Castle to see Lupus D was in jeopardy. After a quick toilet break en route at the B at 1, as their facilities are of a high standard, I got to the venue having only missed the first seven minutes of their set. For those of you who are unaware, Lupus D consists of The Rev, who was guitarist in the On Hiatus Hey Hello, and before that The Howling, Toshi on bass, who also was in Hey Hello, and currently in The Sharks with Chris Spenning and Paul Cook, and drumming for Lupus D, the previously unknown Gene Clark. Except... The bassist presented in front of me last Saturday, who, like the Rev and Gene, was resplendent in the regulation clockwork orange gob, didn't look anything like Toshi, who, we discovered, was on tour with Ugly Kid Joe. I've only heard two Lupus D tracks, both of which I have enjoyed. I've already aired Valley of the Beast on episode 545, and with all things being equal, Into the Fire will be wheeled out on the next week's show. Although I have the Towers of London album that the Rev played on, to be honest, I haven't actually played it for years, but, and I may stand corrected, I don't think anything from it was covered by Lupus D. However, as long-time listeners know, I loved Day 21, a band that included The Rev, Schnell, and from Sham 69, Jimmy Percy and Matt Sargent. So I was chuffed to hear staring at the statues being played. As a great guitarist as the Rev is, he still seems to be finding his feet as a frontman, a position that he looks unease with, but I'm sure as he collects Lupus D gigs under his black studded belt, it'll become more natural. This is a with Jim Percy from Jam 69. Anybody at that? No? Okay. Sure, statues. Oh, we're 
in a toss-up, cue Glenn Matlock and a Steve Jones sandwich joke, between the Sex Pistols and Cook and Jones post-Pistols band The Professionals, the latter will always win. Both technically only ever releasing one studio album whilst they were originally both a going concern. It's always The Professionals that I prefer to hear. Of course... Since the one-off reunion in 2015 to promote the Professionals 3 CD box set, minus Steve Jones, with Tom Spencer taking his role, the band have stayed together and are currently in the throes of recording via Pledge Music their new album, What in the World. Along the way, the band has shed Ray McVie, which I was surprised over, as in the interim years he has been the one most vocal on a reformation. Taking Ray's place at the Electric Bourne at 6 o'clock, meaning I was missing the role models at the Black Hawk. Don't worry, I've just seen them at the borderline supporting Tom Spencer's Big Boy Tomato, was Mr Camden Rocks himself, Chris McCormack. New tracks were played along with, obviously, the songs that were recorded first time around. The elephant in the room was Steve Jones. He is sorely missed. Not that Tom Spencer is doing a bad job, but Jonesy was such a character. It's like having Laurel without Hardy. And Chris looked like he was still finding his way. The album is due out at the end of October with a gig to coincide at the garage. I eagerly await both.
plan was to vacate the ballroom in exchange for the Black Heart and Duncan Reed and the Big Heads. However, after a quick catch-up with Andy from Fear and Loathing, Brad from Sims Tattoos and John from Sonic Shocks, three sound-as-a-pound blokes, Duncan Reed would have already been on stage. And to be honest... I was in desperate need to sit down as my feet were killing me. So I popped over the road to the KFC for five minutes. Walking back towards the electric ballroom, I had a flash of panic, supposing I couldn't get back in, as I could see the resemblance of a queue forming. Admittedly, it was for Orange Goblin, but the risk was too great. Plus, I hadn't seen Orange Goblin since they were a supporter either the Underworld or the LA2 many, many moons ago. And I honestly couldn't remember what they sounded like. So I went back in. They're a metal band. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. But I thought one of the songs was a cover of Motorhead's Iron Fist, but sung with different vocal melody. And then another few songs in, I could hear Diano era Iron Maiden. I definitely will be seeing them again. Well, to be precise, at the Golden Gods Awards at the O2 this Monday.
What can I say about the dam that I haven't already imparted with you? Absolutely nothing. Captain in the Camden Rocks programme said that as this was the 40th anniversary of punk, the set list would reflect this. Obviously, this wasn't relayed to the rest of the band as it was the best of nothing past anything set that was played. The Squirrel, who had I had only met up with for the Royal Republic gig, tried and failed to get in after she had ventured to the outer reaches of Camden Rocks to the Fiddler's Elbow for the last great dreamers, so she retreated to the crowbar. I, on the other hand, after the echoes of Smash It Up had petered out, retreated home, putting my poor aching feet up on as many seats as I could. Same time next year? Until next week. Take it easy. Vicious fight cards. Do you remember?